Well, we'll look at First Peter chapter five. We're going to go through bulk of that, a bulk of the chapter tonight, <clears throat> and just go through um, what this looks like. Uh, your, it's a men's Bible study, so um, be, being a, a man, being a father, being a husband, being um, being a man just in general has has a lot of responsibilities. We as men, and we have a lot on our plates. And, and I know that everybody thinks, oh, men don't have that kind of stuff. They don't have a lot of stuff on their plates. I know culture teaches that, that, oh, men don't have lots of responsibilities. They're just, all they do, they just loaf around. Don't They don't do it. But if you look at from the biblical uh, perspective, men have a lot of responsibilities. Um, reading through First Peter chapter 5, I just... It just reiterated in my own heart um, how important it is that we see not only our communities come to faith, but it starts in the home, right? Like that's that's where it starts. And so um, to see our kids through the lenses of the gospel, to see our wives, to see the the people that are around us um, as as not not projects, but um, as, as people who have souls, people who have um, value in, in the eyes of God. And um, my goal as a pastor is, is to help us as men. Because here's the bottom line. I believe, honestly, that there can be a revival in this town. I, I believe I can see men and women come to know Jesus. And I believe um, it, it starts, I mean, Jesus took 12 guys. There's just a few of us in the room tonight. But I believe that God can take who we are, the strengths that we have, the influence that we have in the places where we are, and move us in a, in a direction, put us in a place where um, I could see God use, you know, bring people to faith. And so my goal as a pastor to help is to help us as men um, start with our homes. And see our kids through the eyes of the gospel, through through the lenses of the gospel. And I want to help us, uh, I want to help you guys understand the privilege and, and the responsibility that we have to train up kids. Not only the kids that are, like, I think of my own life. Like, I'm, I'm working on training up my kids. But so many of their friends come to my house. And I have the opportunity, I mean, it just not... A week ago, I had one of Gabe's friends in the house, and we were in 45 minutes talking about life, talking about having a gospel-centered view of life, trying to trying to stay focused on what it looks like to really follow Christ, and, and not to get, you know, as a young man, how many of us in the room can relate? As a young man, things can distract us. Jobs, girls, <laughs> cars trying to trying to make it they can all all those things can distract us from what we need to be focused on and so it's a privilege and a, and a responsibility for us to be able to train up our kids and influence our kids but those also the kids that are around us and so and i know that like if you read first peter chapter five the, the title of it is shepherd the flock of god and so i know that the the idea that's in first peter chapter five is directed primarily at pastors or elders but i would contend fathers are the spiritual heads of their homes 
Like that's God's put in place in the home. You as the man are the spiritual leader of your home. That's not up for negotiation. And you, in other words, you could even say you're the pastor of your home. I, I don't come into Chansey's house and be like, all right, Chansey, here's how you're going to spiritually lead. Ready? One, two. I don't, I don't go to Jenny. I don't go to Carly. I don't go to the, I don't go, I don't sit there and be like, listen, y'all listen to me. Here's this is how this works. That's his home, right? I don't come to Robert's house and do that. I spend time trying to invest in these guys and you guys, but I don't come into your house and tell you how to do things. I can say, this is what the word of God says. So when it says shepherd the flock of God, you have a flock under your roof. You're responsible for the human beings that God has entrusted to your care. That's, that's a big one to think about. I'm responsible for Jamie. I'm responsible for my four children. Like I'm responsible to, to make sure they're, they're seeing Christ well. Uh, one of the notes that I wrote in here was um, we need to set up opportunities and create environments for our children to win spiritually. Um, I, I thought that was a great idea because what do we do as fathers? We, we, man, we're doing everything we can for our kids to make sure that they succeed in life, right? We want to like we want to, we don't, we want to try to equip them. You're, Chancey's our gun guy, our resident gun guy, and he's a, he isn't just going to give Cody, hey Cody, here, take your take your gun, just go at it. I mean, he's not going to give Cody a two year old a gun and say, hey, just go out in the yard and be fine. He didn't he didn't turn off the lights in the house and be like, oh, just pump off a round or two. He just like that's not what's going to happen, right? There's training that's involved. There's making sure you understand how this thing works. And so there's environments that, that, that Chansey's worked with people, his kids, with, with other kids, just under, helping them understand. You do the same thing with, with um, this, our high school students with, with guns. You're trying to train them up. You don't just, hey, guys, go out there and just get out in the, get out in the field and start pumping off rounds at each other. That'd be fun. You don't, like nobody's doing that, right? You're creating opportunities for those kids to win in those environments. And one of the things I think oftentimes men do is we get so focused on that. that. That's what the enemy wants is us to get focused on certain things as long as they're not focused on this, right? As long as we're not focused on the word, we're focused on cars, houses. Those aren't, and like once, those aren't bad things, but they're not the best. Like in 10,000 years, shoot, in 40 years, somebody else is living in my house. Somebody else is living in your house in 40 years, right? And, and that's just, we, we don't, I'm not saying not to take care of things, but the primary things is what we need to be taking care of. And so the idea in First Peter chapter 5 is this, this idea from Peter that he's telling the elders of the church, this is what you're to do. So let's look at verse 1. We'll start in verse 1. So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, 
but being an example to the flock. All right, we'll stop there in verse three, but there's so many, we'll keep going here in a minute. But man, there's so many things. So he's exhorting these fellow elders are, are if you look biblically, elders are men. And so he's exhorting men here. He's talking to men. And so he's telling these guys, as a fellow elder, as a fellow man here, I, I want you to, to see how this works. I, I've, I've, I've suffered for Christ. You're going to suffer for, for Christ as well. You're a partaker in the glory. Because you've suffered for Christ, you're going to partake in his glory. And then he just says, this is the command. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, that, that you have access to. Take care of the people that God's put in your charge. That's, that's the idea. And so, and then he breaks it down. He says, don't, don't do it. Um, you exercise oversight. So when you're managing something, you've got your, your, it's the big picture. We're exercising oversight here. Just making sure everything's in place. We don't want things running amok. We don't want things going crazy. We're checking all the, the nuts and bolts. I, I'm not an analytical guy. Austin, Austin is an analytical guy. He's a guy that really gets in, in, in the nuts and bolts. He puts together two and three thousand piece Lego sets, just analytical and can do it for hours. Within ten minutes, I'm ready to like throw it through the wall, right? I just I can't. I'm like, no, this is not working for me. He's over there. He's loving it. And I'm just like, I can't. I'm just like, but when it comes to oversight of the family, I gotta understand the nuts and bolts. I've got to be the analytical one. And listen, every kid's different, right? I, Austin and Gabe, chalk and cheese. Were they raised in the same home since they were wee lads? Yep. Since they were both in diapers. Then you got Hannah. Then you got Noah. Everybody's different. There's no formula that says, okay, if I do A, B, C, D, you might get the next, but then you may get Z down at the end. They're all different. And so you have to exercise. This is why he says exercise oversight. Not under compulsion, not not having this compulsory. Is anybody else having any, any other wording there, in there? Not because you must. Yeah, because you're willing. Not because it's oh, because I, I mean I got to, I got to do this. Like this is a, being a dad, being a husband. Those are privileges. Look, those aren't things that are oh well, I got to do it. Listen, you didn't have to, right? You don't have to. You get to. That's the idea. That's, and that's the idea of the text is those that are under your care. Like I said, this is primarily to, to, to pastors or to elders, but it falls under application for, for fathers. You have oversight in your home. It's not to be a, under this, this compulsory just, oh, can't stand. Even though, and listen, we all fall short. Anybody in the room had days where you're just like, oh, I got to do this. Anybody? Okay, cool. I'm not the only one. Okay, good. I feel better. But the idea here is as God would have you, not for shameful gain, you're not trying, you're not out doing shameful things to bring dishonor to your family. That's one of the things my dad is, as I grew up, I'd go out. You know, he always said to me, he said, Caleb, uh, call me Reed, my middle name. Reed, who do you belong to? You? No, 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 no. It's getting right over, son. You belong to Jesus, and you're a Gordon. Don't mess either one of those names up. Okay, that's just that, that's how Dad was, and that's one of the things that he instilled in my kids. 
Man, he always, before you leave the house, he'd tell Hannah or he'd tell Gabe, remember who you belong to. And that, that, that has clicked in my kids' heads. That's clicked in my, my head, clicked in my brother's head. Just remember who you belong to. You're, you've been bought with a price. You're not your own. Don't just be out willy-nilly and think you can just do whatever. Because listen, there is such a thing as bringing shame on the name that you, your birth name and Christ. Anybody know anybody that claims to know Jesus that acts a complete fool? Maybe maybe we've been that guy. Maybe, maybe you've been that guy, right? And so the idea here is don't do this shamefully, but eagerly, willingly, not domineering. Don't be a domineering ogre. Listen, and listen, there's going to be days and times when your kids are going to think you are ogres. They are going to think, and if you're doing it right, they may. there's going to be days they're going to think it. But at the end of the day, the hope is that they're going to understand you love them. You care for them. You, you're, you're, you're worried about their soul. Um, listen, there was, there was times within the last, and, and Gabe's, you know, he's 19, and he, he'll be, if he was sitting here, he'd say, he'd, yes, and amen this. Um, but there was a little bit of a season right after college that I was like, oh, I hope he doesn't become a statistic right but it was i mean we had honest conversations and i i lost my cool a couple of times and i and this is the thing that i i've lost my cool with my kids often but one of the things i, I before i go to bed before my head hits the pillow we're going to sit down and there's been times where i've come to my kids and asked for forgiveness if i've wronged them if i've done something that's wrong i've come back to my kids because what happens so oftentimes is we as men we don't you know one thing you have to never have to do as a man is say sorry. That's a silly idea. That, <laughs> right? Yeah, no, it, it'll happen. But man, there's been times where I've said things in haste, in anger at my kids, and I've had to come back and be like, listen, Gabe, I'm... Like right after my dad died, I had all kinds of emotional, just I was, I was emotionally a mess. He was one of my closest friends. I love my dad. And when he died, I, it messed me up for, I mean, I'm still not completely, I got a scar still, but man, when it was fresh, and Gabe popped off something. And we were at my, like, I was, this is my, the, the level of I didn't care, I made a fool of myself in front of everybody. My wife, all the kids, my brother, my cousin, fam, I mean, the whole family was there. There wasn't, I wasn't trying to look, oh, well, son, let's have a, Let's have a spiritual conversation about why you shouldn't have talked that way. You know, pinning him up against the wall, yelling at him in front of the whole family. That was awkward. Because everybody's like, my brother's like, what are you doing? You know, stop, stop. My cousin's over there going, whoa, go, come on, Reed, sit down. So I had to calm down, go outside and just talk for a minute to uh, the other guys. But that's, had I not had all of those other men with me, you know what that would have looked like? It would have been a mess. So he's just, he's, I exhort you, fellow elders, I exhort the elders among you, the men among you, as fellow elders and witnesses of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory of, the, of what's going to be revealed. He had a, he had a fellowship of, of guys that were around him, right? So he's got this group of guys that are around him, and he, 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 can, he can rely on that. Had I had no other men in my life that I could talk to in those moments, and it would have been, it could have gone really bad. But back to my, what I'm saying is I sat down and I, and I, 
told Gabe, said, Gabe, I'm sorry. And I I can tell you that it was probably a father wound because I said some things that were not nice. I was mean. I was mad. Wasn't thinking with my heart. I was thinking with my emotions. Yeah. Yeah, how and absolutely you're the message can be destroyed by the method you bring it. Like you may have a right message, but if I bring it with a horrible method, it could be a mess, right? And so Right? Yeah, some expletives and some and some other things. I'm like, this is not how a Christian man should work. So don't be a domineering thing. Don't be domineering. Um it, this is this is the um, we as fathers are the spiritual tone setters, and oftentimes the Jesus that your kids see comes from you because they're with you the most. They they're around you the most, right? You're you're closest to them. And so the idea here is we don't do what we want to do with our kids. In fact, Vody Bauckham says, I don't want to tell God what to do or what I'm going to do with my kids. Rather, I want him to tell me what to do with his kids. Because these kids, dad always told me, he said, listen, son, these kids that you have are on loan from God. I gave it a whole new perspective. He, but he said, listen, you're, you're the son that's been on loan to me. God gave you to me, and so you're my responsibility. And even, even after I moved out, I still had, dad was still willing to have spiritual conversations with me, still to try to set up opportunities. Um, I, I remember as a, when he saw that I had a desire to do ministry, he created opportunities in our church for me to exercise spiritual gifts that I had. Um, and that then now they weren't big flashy, you know, they're, you're teaching junior high boys Sunday school class. Woo. <laughs> All right. Or, Hey, I'm going to have you preach on a Wednesday night. And this was Wednesday night. All right. You know, this, this size right here, you got eight, five, six, seven, eight guys person. And that's, but that's how it starts. Right. You have you start small and you're you're responsible in the small things. It grows right, it grows up, and so that's the idea here is is that we're responsible for those that are in our care. That includes our wives. And listen, I have been a I have been a royal mess up in that. In in the years that I've been married to Jamie, I have messed it up. I have had to say I'm sorry often. Because there's been boneheaded things. I mean, let me tell you though, God has sanctified me through marriage, and I believe that's the that's the real goal of marriage is to make us not happy, but holy. It's to sanctify us, to pull us apart, or set us apart for God's intended purposes for us as men. How many of us, if we weren't married, probably would be doing something crazy? Yeah, exactly. Right? Have you have you been there, done that, got that T-shirt? Yeah. Well, listen, I I was I was I was the guy that wasn't married 
for a while and did foolish things. Twenty, early twenties, I wasn't. I was silly. I was. I was exceedingly silly. So let's keep going. Verse four. So when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourself all. I'm sorry. Clothe yourself all of you with humility towards one another for God. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Now, <laughs> this is this is another idea of, uh, of leading your homes well, being having a humble spirit. Um, I, I heard a, a quote one time, humble voices carry further. Like they get they get more traction than if you come in, you've got an arrogant spirit, you've got a prideful, hateful spirit walking into a room with, with people. That doesn't get you very far. I mean, how many of you ever walked into a room and that's, you've had that spirit when you walked in a little, you're a little miffed, you're a little angry, a little prideful. Like, you don't know what I did. Let me show you what I've done. Right? How's that work out? Doesn't go up. It falls, it falls flat. But this is God, and this is the deal. God opposes you. If you, if you've got a prideful spirit, if you've got an arrogant spirit about you and you're, and you're proud and not in a, not in a, man, I'm proud of you for being awesome. Or I'm proud of you for being a man of character. Not that kind of proud, but you've got a, a spirit of arrogance. That's the idea here is God opposes the proud. So think about that. The God of the universe, as you as a man, if you've got an arrogant spirit, God is actively opposed against you. That's, that's some strong medicine. To think about the God of the universe is set against you. You aren't going to win. Like, there's nobody in the room that's going to, you know, I think I can take God on. <laughs> yeah. I don't think any of us in the room would be like, you know what? I got this. I can take him on. No. You're, you're in. But, and here's the thing. We're smart enough that we would never say that. But sometimes our actions can, can say otherwise. Right? We say, oh, well, I, I, can, I can do this. Like, the only reason I can move my arms and breathe in and blink my eyes and do the things that I do is because God has given my body permission to be able to do those things. All he has to do, he doesn't have to take anything from me. He just has to stop giving. He doesn't have to forcefully, no, it's mine, I'm taking it back. He doesn't take it, he just has to stop giving. Right now, he's giving me life. He's giving you life. And when he opposes the proud, it, and it, it could look different, the opposition of God might, might be in such a way that it looks like it's a good thing. Because, you, you, oh, God's, God's just blessing me. But you're in the middle of living in sin. You're in the middle of doing all kinds of hellish, horrible things. I, I mean, I've seen social media posts where people are bragging about wicked things. Oh, God just blessing us in this thing. And I'm like, is he though? Is he? Because Romans chapter 1 gives you very clear that he, he's going to give you up to a debased mind and he's going to make you think that you're doing something that's right. He's going to make you believe a lie that you, you're doing the right thing. So, what's the idea here? 
Walk humbly. Don't don't walk arrogantly or pridefully. I got this. My thing. You you. He opposes you, but he gives grace. He gives grace to the humble. And then verse six gives you sort of got an outline of what it looks like. It says, "Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God." So the idea here is you're humbling yourself. You're bringing yourself to a contrite, broken system of thinking. A system of thinking that, listen, I'm not the, I'm not the guy. Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah is the, he's the preacher of the day. He comes in and he sees the holiness of God in the temple. He sees how holy God is. He sees how righteous God is. And he's the preacher of the day. He pronounces a curse over himself. He says, woe is me. Or, or more graphically, he literally says, damn me. Is the is the idea there? It's very it's very he's cursing himself because he sees the holiness of God and he sees his own wickedness, but he owns that sin and he he humbles himself before the Lord. He didn't walk in going to the, into the presence of God going, "Hey, JC," I can just it makes me cringe just saying that. But there's there are pastors who say these kinds of things who who do these kinds of things. And so I'm, I'm leery of this. So you look at the, you look at the text here, and it says, "Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God." Why? So that at the proper time He may exalt you. He's the one who brings you're exalted. He, you're taken care of above all things. I mean, He He does above all things. So that he could exalt you. And then uh, <clears throat> the, the next thing we see here in verse 7. Here, says, come on in, Ronnie. Hey, Ronnie. Come on in, brother. It's just Ronnie. Let me get you a chair, bubba. There you go, Ronnie. You can sit in this coffee chair. I'll sit in the hard chair. Sit there. I'll get it. That's the that's the fancy recliner, Ronnie. <clears throat> yeah, it's all right. So the idea here is is we're exalting or we're 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 humbling ourselves to a place where God exalts us, and then as a result of of, of Exalt or being exalted by the Lord, and we, we see our proper position in God as men. What can we do? Verse 7. We're in First uh, Peter chapter 5. First Peter chapter 5. He says, Casting all of our, our all of our anxieties on him because he cares for you. So he he's going through this idea here, he says, cast all your anxieties because you're secure in me. I'm exalting you. You've humbled yourself properly. You've come to me in a, in a proper position. You're, you're loving me the way you should love me. You're following me the way you should. You're not being arrogant. You're being humble. You can cast all of your anxieties, all your worries, all your cares. Anybody in the room got some cares or anxieties or concerns about life? Listen, if you don't, you're dead. There's, that's the only time none of us in the room can you know, not have anxiety. Everybody's going to have some level of concern for life. You know, am I going to 
have enough money to take care of this? Do I have, are my kids okay? Is my wife okay? Is this, you know, we're worried. And every stage of life changes. As you're a young buck, you're, you're trying to make your way in the world and trying to achieve and accomplish. And then once you get sort of older in your 40s, 50s, 60s, you're sort of kind of just cruising and you're thinking, it's okay, you know, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? I'm going to retire at some point. I'm going to relax. And then you're, what am I going to do with my life? And so these worries are always there because we live in a fallen world. We live in a world that's it's messy, right? So we, we, we live in a world that falls short. Cast all of our anxieties, cast all of our concerns, cast all of our, our major and minor things on God. Why? This is the greatest thing. He cares for you. Like, the God of the universe cares about you, every one of us in this room tonight. He cares about your concerns, your concerns, yours, 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 and mine. There's, and there's nothing you can bring him that he's going to go, really, Burke, you're going to bring that to me? He's not going to do that. He's going he's gonna, to, thank you for bringing that. You're my son. This is, this, I love you. I care about you. So sure, bring it to me. His shoulders are bigger than Steve's. Amen? They're, like they're, aren't you glad that his shoulders are bigger than yours? That his, his skin is thicker than yours? His abilities are bigger and better and stronger than yours? Isn't that, isn't that a good thing? That's, that's amazing. And so then as a result of that, then you really get into the meat of some stuff in verse 8. And man, verse 8 really drives it home. This is when you're... Pay attention. The world's a mess. Anybody anybody there? The world's a mess. You, well, I live in Cedarvale. It's not too bad. Listen, it's still, it's still messy in Cedarvale. There's still days. There's still problems in this life. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And listen. You, as a man, are the watchdog for your community. When these things are happening, uh, no, I, it's the one thing I like about Charlie. Charlie can be a little bit of a pain here. But man, if you notice, every time one of you have walked through the door, he's alerted, be paying attention. He's, I, might, I may have my head in the clouds over here. In the, I may have my head down in the fridge not paying attention. He's always got his head on a swivel. And he lets me know, hey, 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 somebody's coming. That's the idea here. Be sober-minded and watchful. Why? Because there's an adversary, the devil. He wants to take every one of us men out. He wants more than anything to take every one of us as men out. He's seeking somebody to eat. He's seeking somebody to devour. And that's, he's coming for, listen, the enemy wants your family. Let me tell you something. You know what this month is? You know why? There's a couple different things that happen in this month. This month is dedicated to fathers. It's a pro-life month, children, and there and it's it's got all kinds of uh, ramifications uh, that 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 are focused on families. Well, of course, June is going to become a month that's filled with the glorification of immorality. The enemy wants to try to get our focus. We don't want to focus on good, godly fathers. Why in the world will we, will we prop up godly men? Because godly men are the ones who protect the rest of the, the flock. Right? So what do we do? 
we diminish fathers, we turn them into a joke and a punchline on TV shows and movies. What do we do? We take, now we've taken the LGBT trans community and we've elevated them. Women are shortly under, elevate them and, and kids. And the, but but the, the idea is to try to destroy all those things. Because if you can take out the man, you can take out the family. The watchman on the tower. I mean, that that's that's what that's what the enemy does. The enemy looks for, okay, let's find the strongest guy first, take him out because I don't want to deal with him. You guys ever watch Open Range? Kevin Costner's movie, Open Range, one of my favorite westerns. Love that western. Um, when they're in that last gun battle, what's Kevin Costner do? He picks out, he goes, the guy with the sling. Remember, he was the he was the, the fast draw. What did Kevin Costner do? He knew he. He identified him. That's the most, that's the strongest link in this chain. I've got to break that link so that I can take out the rest of these guys. So what's he do? He walks up and goes, you the guy that shot my friend? Boom! And didn't even give him a chance to answer and lays him out. Shoots him cold right in the forehead. And then then the fight begins. But the strongest link in the group, he's been taken out, right? And then it just disintegrates from there, and Kevin Costner's group wins the fight. But this is the idea. The enemy's he's looking. He's looking for the strongest link first so he can take them out somehow, some way. Doesn't care how he does it. The enemy doesn't care how he gets you as long as he gets you, right? It don't matter. So he says, this is how you, you don't get taken out. Pay attention to your surroundings. And some of your surroundings is, is your is your home. Your surroundings are your home. Watch what's going on in your home. Not just who's coming through the front door. What what's coming through the screens in your house? What's coming through the music players in your house? Like there there's some music out there. Listen, I'm I'm not a guy that no oh, we need to stop everything and don't listen to anything that's not, listen. There's I get it that you can't always stop that stuff. But if you if you're on guard. Your spirit's gonna, the Holy Spirit's gonna convict you and say, "Listen, you can't, you can't listen to that. You just can't hear those things." I mean, there are certain songs that if I walked into a mixed group, ladies and men, and I just said some of the lyrics that are in some of the songs, I would immediately be picked up by somebody and thrown out a front door, and there'd probably be a lawsuit for me being rude and vile. But we buy it, we consume it, we listen to it, we memorize it, we memorize songs, and then that that goes down in your mind, down in your heart. You meditate on those things and you can think about it. The enemy takes you out. So what do we do? Verse 9. As men, this is our this is our calling. Verse 9. <clears throat> Resist him firm in your faith. Resist him. Who him? The adversary. Resist the adversary. How do you do that? By standing firm in your faith. And not only that, know that the same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the entire world. So you're not alone. That's the biggest encouragement for us tonight. You are not alone. There are men tonight, there are Christian men that are struggling with the same kinds of things that you're struggling with. There are men who love the Lord Jesus Christ that are struggling 
to do the things that need to be done. And how do you do it? You've got to start by resisting. You've got to submit yourself to the Lord, pay attention to your surroundings, then resist the enemy, and then get in fellowship with men who love you and love the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, one of the things, I, I've got a friend who's a pastor in, in Indianapolis. Uh, it's a Wesleyan church, Trinity Wesleyan church. His name's Mike Kolaw. Um, and we haven't been close friends. We've been, sorry, we all have, I have, I'm, I'm acquaintances with him. I've, I'm not like deep fellowship friends with this guy, but I've known him since I was in seventh grade. So our paths have crossed for decades. Some of his close friends are some of my close friends. And he made a post on social media. Every Memorial Day, there are five guys that have been together since junior high. And every, as they've gotten older, from wherever they are in the country, they come together in one spot for a weekend just to reconnect, fellowship, study God's word, go hiking, shoot guns, you know, guy stuff. And people are like, how in the world can you have friendship like that? And Mike made this huge long thing. He said, you've got to be intentional. He's like, listen, we don't agree. Everybody thinks, oh, every, you, know, you all agree theologically on everything and everybody's kosher politically and everybody lines up. No. If everybody had to agree with me, I'd be a lonely guy. If everybody had to be like me or think like me or talk like me, I'd be a lonely guy. And so Mike's got this group of friends that they're intentional. And he said some of, the, some of the hardest things are some of the hardest conversations bring us closer together. Having those hard conversations, but knowing at the end of the day, I love you and you love me. That, that's the idea. That you've got a brotherhood that are experiencing the same kinds of things that you're experiencing. And, and this, is, this is who we are. We're all experiencing some suffering. We're all going through some hard stuff. We're all having moments where we struggle, right? But the, here's the beauty of all of this. At the end of this in verse 10, look at this. After you've suffered a little while, the God of all what? Grace. The God of all grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace. All grace. Who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ Jesus. Will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Like, there's some good news, fellas. Now, listen, to get to the good stuff, we got to go through the, the tough stuff. To get to the restoration, to get to the glory, to get to all these other things. What? You're going to, after you've suffered a couple of minutes, a couple seconds. No, he says, after you've suffered a little while. I don't know what a little while is. He doesn't give you a time frame here. He doesn't say, okay, listen, six years and you're good to go. Because I know brothers that have been suffering for decades. Anybody? And listen, some of the sufferings are self-induced. I, I, got, a, I got a dear friend that was at my dad's church for years. He's still going to Trinity. His name's Charlie. Charlie was in the military. Charlie will tell you that uh, he made some bad decisions while he was in the military. Ended up, and it ended up, you know, drinking, alcohol, drugs, you name it. Ended up going through a windshield and 
he he has a hard time walking. His like his members don't work every time. But man, you talk about he got radically saved, and the brother loves Jesus. But that doesn't mean there weren't consequences for some of his actions, right? He, so I mean, some of the things we do are self-induced. Some of the things we experience as suffering are because we were dumb. Anybody in the room dumb? Have been dumb? Done some dumb things? Yep, right here. You're looking at your pastor. Your pastor's done some dumb things. But so you're going to suffer for a little while. So we don't know what that is. But there's going to come a point where the God of all grace, who called you, this is the beauty that God's called you. You're, you're set for eternity as a believer. If you've repented of your sins, trusted the gospel, you're called by God himself into this eternal glory, which is in Christ Jesus. God himself is going to restore you, confirm you, strengthen you, and establish you. So there's going to be restoration. So the enemy is taken and stolen ground. One of the prayers that I pray often is, God, take back the ground that I've forfeited to the enemy. That's, an, that's a prayer I've prayed often, is that God take back ground that I have forfeited. So there's going to come a point where God's going to restore, and then he's going to confirm. He's going to have this confirmation where he's going to say, listen, you're my son. You remember Peter? He denied Christ how many times? Three. Three. And then Jesus has this confirmation, has this restoration process with Peter saying what? Do you love me? Yeah, feed my sheep. Do you love me? Yeah, feed my sheep. Do you even like me? Yeah, God, you know all things. Then do what I tell you to do. So he, he does this thing where he says, okay, he recognizes Peter and says, listen, yeah, you were a sinner, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to restore you, and I'm confirming you. He does it three times because he disobeyed three times. He, he, he denied him three times. God brings back in and says, listen, I'm going to confirm you. I'm going to, I'm going to confirm you back into this. And then what? He gives you strength to be a man. He gives you strength to do the hard things that are necessary. He gives you strength to walk, take the next step. And listen, some days it may be difficult. Some days it's just just picking up your feet and moving to the next step. Just taking, but this is where your obedience is. It's okay, God, help me to take the next step. And he may give you just enough light. Golly, God, it's dark. It's tough. It's rough. God may give you just enough light to see the next step. Just And then be obedient to take that next step. So he gives you strength to go that route. And then what? He's going to establish you. So that he's, he's establishing the idea of setting up shop. He's going to establish his righteousness, his work, his sanctification, his holiness in you as a man. He's going he's gonna to establish you. And then what? To him, be dominion forever and ever. Amen. He gets the glory out of all that. And you just get the benefit. That's good. You get the benefit as a man of seeing God be glorified. You're a, you're a, just a, a byproduct. Your, your restoration, your strength, your establishment, your confirmation are all just a byproduct of God getting the glory that he rightfully deserves. That God gets the glory out of your life. That's it. That's the, that's the best thing out there. So what do we do? The exhortation here is that as a man, shepherd your flock well. Be watching out what's going on around you. Be sober-minded in your homes. Be sober-minded in the places where you go. Your work, 
That's, that's a place you influence. That's anointed ground. You as a believer, that's anointed ground that you walk on. Why? Because Christ is with you. Jesus goes wherever you go. There's no such thing as, we'll see this on Sunday. Jonah thought, we're kicking off our, our series in Jonah on Sunday. Jonah thought he could get away from God. <laughs> Jonah thought, oh, you know what? God told me to do something. I, 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 here's the thing. Children's stories, sometimes we miss a lot of things in those kids' stories. I dug into the text this week. There's some stuff in there. He was just a blatant, I ain't going to do what I'm... Hey, Jonah, I need you to go down here to Nineveh. Nope, not going to. And like he blatantly is like, no. Tells God no and goes to Joppa. Sounds like, okay, game on. You want to fight me? I'm going to resist you. <laughs> right? And so, we got, like, this is, this is crazy. You can't run from God. I can't run from God. God's everywhere we go. So everywhere you go, because Christ is with you, you walk in the shortstop, that's anointed ground. That's holy ground. Not because Steve's there, but because Christ in Steve is there. Right? When I walk into DSR tomorrow, guess what? The ground is holy. Not because of Caleb. I can tell you not because of Caleb. You know why it's holy? Because Christ that's in Caleb is there. So wherever you go tomorrow, if you're in Christ, or if you go tonight, your home is a holy is a holy place. Why? Because Christ is there. So what do we do? We shepherd the flock of God that is among you, that's been given to you. So who's been given to me? Well, I don't know. Think about your life. Who's been given to you as a man? Who's been given to you? Say, well, in Caleb's life, it's right now I've got Jamie, Noah, Austin. The other two are... They're, they're in different places. One's in a different city. One's in a different state. I'm still praying for them. I'm still pleading the blood of Christ over them. But man, I still got two in my house, three in my house that I'm responsible for. Set up opportunities for your children to win spiritually. Like this week, like I, we went through the whole process of making sure my kids, you know, kids were right, you're going to camp. This is what you're going to do. Set up opportunities environments. And sometimes I may not be there with him. I've gone to camp almost every year with Noah. I've been, Daddy's been there as the safety net. I'm not there. I says, listen, remember who you belong to. And then guess what? I get a text message last night from the student pastor that they're with. I said, hey, man, I just, want you to tell, I just want to tell you, one of our leaders told me that Noah got saved tonight. He went forward and he got saved. And he said, I just wanted to talk to you about that, just so it kind of gets your, the temperature of what you're feeling, you know. I want some history. So I told him, I was like, yeah, when he was young, he made a profession of faith and was baptized as a young buck. But I don't know if he, you know, as a young buck, I don't know if he, I don't know if he knew what he was doing. Obviously he didn't. What, and this, is, this was his own words. As talking to a 13-year-old. And sometimes I, we don't give our kids the credit because they're our kids. We think, well, they're, they're not as smart as we, you know. My, you know, that's just how we do he looked at the student pastor and said, for years I felt like a fraud, but after tonight I don't feel like a fraud anymore. That was, that was his words, not me. I wasn't there feeding him lines. I wasn't, oh, now son, what is it? Because sometimes what we can do as fathers is we want, we think that our kids doing certain things are a reflection on us. They're, they're their own people. 
They're going to make their own decisions. They're going to do their own things. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't try to set up opportunities or create environments for them to do what's right, follow Christ, right? That's what we're called to do. And we don't have to, listen, you're not going to do it perfectly. Having, having a prayer time with your kids at night isn't going to be a perfect thing. And they're probably going to, listen, everybody thinks, well, you're a pastor. Your kids just float in happily. Oh, yes, Father, we'd love to have prayer time and Bible study with you. <laughs> that ain't happening. I'm like, listen, let's, let's pray, guys. And they're just like, oh, i got to, hang on, let me pause. Let me, can, can I save my game? Because you know, they're playing a game or they're doing something, building Legos or something. They don't like it. I get to pray. And so we've had those conversations. I've had those exact same conversations with my kids. But what we also do, because Noah has a lot of his friends come stay the night often. So they're, 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 you know, they're setting up shop. They got, they're playing their video games. And I'm like, listen, before we go to, I set a time. I'm like, listen, y'all need to be in bed by summertime so y'all can stay till 1130, 1145. And y'all shut her down. Okay, Dad. Before I go to bed, we're praying. Four or five boys on that floor. All right, pony up. Let's sit around here, fellas. And at first, the first time I did that, Noah was like, "Dad, why are you?" He was like, "Listen, <laughs> we're doing this, bro." Now I know you may not like it. You may be embarrassed, but now you know. Now he's just like, you know, it's just like clockwork. He's like, "Okay, yep." And then guess what? I make them all pray. I'm like, "All right, boys, who's next? You praying?" All right, great. Go for it, Jordan. Go for it, Carter. Go for it. You know, I just tell him, listen, it's your turn to pray. All right, Noah, you're up. And sometimes I do say, I don't, I don't pressure. I'm not like, you're going to do it. I'm like, hey, you want to pray? Yeah, okay. That's the influence. Set up opportunities for your children to win spiritually. Set up opportunities for your wives to win spiritually. It's, I mean, listen, my wife's gone to conferences and different things, and she's been away for weekends. Cool, go baby. If it's if you're if you're gonna grow in the Lord, and I want that for you, that's not gonna that's actually gonna go well for me, right? That's gonna go well for me for me as a man. If you're growing in the Lord, so create opportunities for that. So, anybody, any thoughts?